No, it's 170. 120 is the Anche Knesset, the Knesset Sagdola, Medgar Assembly. Uh, and actually, most people don't know this, but you speak to scholars and they'll tell you that in, in fact the Sanhedrin was comprised of 139 uh, scholars, not 70. There was, it was like 70 in, in the major leagues, but like 69 in the, you know, in the AAA, like, like on deck. Actually, a total of 140 to 69. Yeah, just using a baseball reference for the Americans. I So they take the 70 rabbis and they put them each in separate rooms. She's checking it out on Wikipedia. No, no, my friend sent me a text. Oh. So they take 70 rabbis, they put them in 70 different rooms and say translate. The reason why they did that, because if they're each translating it uh, independently, in all likelihood, they cannot collaborate and say, okay, let's write this, let's write that. They're all separate, they're all isolated from each other. And in the Talmud, it says that they all made 30 some odd mistakes in the translation. They all came to the same calculation of saying, oh, this is probably not the right thing to do. And they wrote instead something else. They modified it in, in, in 30 plus places to try to... to tr- same places? In all the same places. So the first place that they did that, I'm sorry for, getting, for going into a winding discussion of... of, of uh, Do they all like, get together and be like, no, they didn't. That's the problem. They were all isolated. How did they make the same well, I guess they came to the same conclusion. Well, to understand, what, what, what was the problem? How, co- how come the, the, the Greeks were so determined to have an accurate translation? Because they, want, they wanted to find out what does it really say. It's in Hebrew. Some, it's, an, it's an ancient text that, that, that none of them knew how to read. They didn't understand it. And they wanted to know what it really says in it. And they had an agenda, obviously. And we know, I've said this before, that the Romans and the Greeks, they thought the Jews were crazy. Because they, they thought the Jews, um, the idea of an, one invisible God who's perfect was very foreign to the Greeks and the Romans who had, according to Deo Cassius, in excess of 30,000 gods. You know, the, Romans, the Romans persecuted Jews as being atheists. What? You believe in one invisible God? What are you, what are you insane? Nowadays, the idea of monotheism is very prevalent. And it's something you could discuss with almost anyone, anyone you meet, the idea of monotheism. Uh, but, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was a crazy idea. And the first mistake or the first uh, correction that they did is in the 26th verse of the Torah. It says, Na'ase adam kidmuseinu. What does that mean? Max, trans- Let us make man in our image. In our image and our mold. Let us make man. What does that mean? Well, that's what, that's, what, that's what it means. That's what we're getting to. This is a long introduction. Well, that's what, that's what it really does mean, Max. But the, the connotation, the connotation is, let us make man, is that we're not dealing with a singular being, one singular, invisible, infinite creator. We're dealing with more than one entity. Let us make man. Na'aseh, which means let, let us make man. And that, that was um, an idea that um, the Jews very much, was it? The, those, those, those scholars who translated they all modified it. Um, but what indeed does that mean? Do we, in fact, believe in more than one deity? Zach? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Right. 
So how, how, what's the justification of that? How come it says, Oh, so, oh, never mind. Okay. Say it, Max. No, no, this no, is no. interesting. Max, say it. It's my house. I'm giving you an instruction. <laughs> say it. Well, under pressure, I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, what is it that, they, that they, uh, God consulted the angels so the angels wouldn't feel uh, uh, less uh, something about the feelings of the angels about when making when consulting them or something Max is a scholar Max knows his beans so Max is quoting a midrash midrash is a, is a book that's 1500 years old who here could quote books that are 1500 years old besides from Max you. oh and me <laughs> <laughs> So the Midrash says is that when it says when God says let us create, it means God's consulting with the angels. And the reason is like this, and this is how the introduction of, of, the, of the idea of angels and how it relates to us. Man is similar to angel. This is what Midrash says. Man is similar to angel, and therefore the angel is not going to be happy if there's some cheap knockoff replica of him walking around. So God says, before I make man, I'm going to consult with you, so to speak. And this is how I want to bring in the discussion of the night. So the first idea, I don't want to talk about angels. I do want to talk about angels. But I don't want to talk about angels per se. Just what are angels and describe what's the difference between a strophim and ophanim and all the different kinds of angels on different levels. That's irrelevant to us. I'm going to try to make, uh, take lessons from the angels and the stories of the angels and try to see how we can apply it to our lives and our relationships. As I do every week. Try to be as relevant as possible. So the first idea, the first lesson, the first time we meet the angels in the Torah, uh, even though it's, it's covertly, it's not explicit, it's, 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 it's not, doesn't say that, I'm going with, with, with the Madrashic inter- interpretation and Max, that Max provided for us, the first thing we find out is that man is similar to angel. By golly, that's a crazy idea. Man and angel are similar? But man is better. Huh? But man is better. Man is better. Okay, let's man speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Man has a, but we are better than angels. Why are we better than angels? Uh, because angels can only be at the level that they were created for, and we can achieve a higher level. Man is a, Max, you're accomplished. You're a scholar. <laughs> Do you hear what Max is saying? Max is saying is that, yeah, angels, they're tremendously impressive spiritual beings. Wonderful. But they can't grow. They can improve. They are what they are, and they don't change. Us, we're humans. We're created of the, you know, the dust of the earth. We're very low people. We have, we have very uh, whimsical, um, petty wants, needs, and desires. We're driven by very small things. We're very physical. And we're, we live in a very physical world. But we can grow. We can improve. We can change. We can change the world. We can do kindness. We can go beyond our inclinations. Unbelievable, Max. I like you already. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, so the first idea here is that man is similar to the angels. Similar in uh, a way that we spoke about two, two weeks ago. Who was here two weeks ago? Which one we, heard, we met last time? Jason, you, Jason, and Leanne, we were both here. So we talked about what happens after you die. Remember that discussion? Remember that conversation? Huh? And there, somebody the door, I think. And we quoted the Talmud in Nida 30b that says a fascinating idea. It says, "Hello, 
Hey, how's it going? Get some food. Hi, Harun. Nice to meet you. Harun? Yes. Nice to meet you too. What's your name? Harun. Harun, get some food. Are you sure? I'm my sure positive. <laughs> Symbolic of, of yeah, yeah. Who else went out for me? I had the best draft in the history of fantasy football. Yeah, I 
I like Darren McFadden. <laughs> he shredded the Jets last year, I remember. I forgot. He picked Startup. Yeah, Startup again? He picked up Andre Brown this week. I didn't hear the dogs. Is there a part of the game that he just talked about? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so where were you? Angels, yes. Oh, yes. So you remember what we said there? Okay. Okay, if we can resume, if we can resume. So, um, so we learned last week or two weeks ago a fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, description of what happens to a child before he's born. We spent a lot of time two weeks ago talking about what happens after we die, uh, but it's interrelated to what happens before some, a child is born. And the Talmud, uh, the, 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 our sages describe uh, the events that happen to the child immediately before he's born. So we are all familiar uh, the, uh, of, of the idea that the angel teaches the child the entire Torah. Is everyone familiar with that idea? Yes. Never heard that, Harod? No. Angel teaches, uh, the child in utero learns the entire Torah, and then the angel makes him forget it. That, that, that's, uh, that's, that's in the Talmud 30b, very famous, very famous idea. Um, a little further down on the page, it well, says... Like, how many uh, volumes of the Talmud? So you said 30b, but which one? No, 30b of, of Nida. Of Nida. Okay. Nida, which is... Is it, the, is it the first, is it the last, or is it somewhere in the middle, Jason? Last. Last. It's the last. The last of all 63 books. The last of all 63 books is Tractate Nida. And on page 30, on B, B side of the page, it has this description. Now, the second thing that it says in that, in, that, in that piece of Talmud, all the way at the bottom, it says, a child's about to be born, they make him swear something. He swears something. He's sort of the Pledge of Allegiance, right before he gets into battle. And he says, they tell him, and you should know, the Almighty is pure, the angels are pure, and your neshama, your soul, is pure. And you have to make sure to guard it in its purity, or else the Almighty is going to take it away from you. And then we know a separation of, of guf v'neshama, or in, in English, soul and body, that's the definition of death. So, there is, there is an, a um, correlation between humans, God, and angels. God is pure, whatever that means, but God is pure. The angels are pure. And our soul is pure. So they all go to the mikvah by us. <laughs> well, maybe we have, to, we have to go to the mikvah for our body. Right. That's the point. Well, who goes to the mikvah? I don't go to the mikvah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... We're saying this is a tremendous idea. We're, we're, we're taking a human and putting him on a pedestal. We're saying that the human, or at least parts of the human, are similar to angels, similar to God. Tremendous idea. And um, I think that this, well, this goes very well with the, with, with the Rashi, with the Midrash that was quoted by Max, that 
We're about to create something so unique, so special. Humans are so unique and so special that we have to consult first with like, like mind or like creations. You're going to make something which is so similar to an angel, you better talk to the angel first, make sure they're not offended. Okay, so man is similar. This is what we talked about last time. Man is similar to God, man is similar to the to angels. How is man similar to God? No, Aaron is holy, but it's not, it's not similar to God. Created in his image. What does that mean? God. <laughs> That's actually the same, the same verse. It says, Nase Adam will create, let us make man in our image and in our mold. What does it mean that man is created in the image of God? What does that mean? We look like God. God doesn't have God. That's anthropomorphic. It's anthropomorphic to say that God has any physical characteristics, right? We, that's a Greek idea. We don't believe in that. We say God does not have any physical characteristics, right? If something infinite, it's not bound to any physical characteristic. You can't give an infinite being finite qualities. Anthropomorphism. So we don't look like God. So what does it mean? Traits. Traits? Or something like all these uh, blows and whatever. It is. And he blew in his nostrils. Of, is that what you're trying to say? Yes. This is uh, Genesis uh, one twenty-seven. Did I make that up? Who knows? Genesis one twenty-seven. Yeah. Genesis one twenty-seven. Genesis one twenty-seven. Man is similar to God because there's only two creature, to only two entities, only two beings on that exist that can make decisions. There are only two beings that can make decisions. God can make decisions, and humans can make decisions. No other animals or entities can make, uh, can make decisions. What I mean by that is uh, that if you offer uh, uh, Annie, which is Mark's parents' pet dog, you offer the two f- food items, it can decide, do I want this one or do I want that one? That came up at the Shabbos table. Uh, we were discussing, do we have to make a bracha if, for the pets, for the pets to eat? Do the pets need to make a bracha? The pets can't make a bracha. They're not pets. The pets have a... You have to make the bracha for the pets. There's a whole book that... Yeah, I can't remember the name. Okay. I don't know if pets... I don't know what it means that animals can make... I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm more of a, like a practical, you know. <laughs> Let's source it. Let's find out if it's real. Um, so I'm not into that. Uh, but so animals can make such decisions. They can decide: Do I want the the, the falafel or do I want the shawarma? Do I want this form of uh, of uh, of uh, this form of um, uh, dog food or that form? I don't know. They have different kinds. The one who's gluten free, dry. They can make those kind of decisions. Do I want to play outside with a frisbee or not? Do I want to lie down here and do nothing? Right? These, are, these, these are decisions that it can make. But an animal cannot make a decision to go against its instinct. I did this, did this lesson before. If I go to any one of you in your face and put my hand right in front of your face like that, what are you going to do? No. No, you'll blink. If there's something, a projectile coming to your eyes... Anytime, I wake you up in the middle of the night and I go like this. If you're up, your eyes are open, you're not ready for it, you'll blink. 
Every single human will do that. Because we're programmed to do that. We have DNA, and the part of it is self-preservation. One of, the, you know, one of those things, however it came, up, it came about, we have the ability to, uh, we're programmed to survival. And survival means, part of, part of survival means that if you see something coming out of your eyes that could potentially damage it, your body automatically, without you, without you making a cognitive decision, it just closes. But we're the only, we're the only ones who can make a decision, you know what, even though I'm programmed to self-preservation, to survival, and I protect myself, and uh, the human body can go to great lengths to survive and to protect itself and to protect its kin, still, we're the only creature that can take steps contrary to the way we're programmed to do. We could go against our instinct. We could go to the roof and jump off if we were, if we were to decide to do that. So that is that what you call seichel, the intellect? That, that's what I... That's, that's, we call it either seichel, uh, seichel is maybe the proper Hebrew word, the idea of of neshama, the idea of um, free will, of bechira. Right. We have the ability to make the decision, um, to make those decisions. You cannot have, uh, just as a good example, there's only one animal in the world that ever commits suicide knowingly. Who knows what that is? The dodo bird? The dodo bird? The dodo bird? The bird? Anybody? Nobody. What if you surround a scorpion with fire, the scorpion will will uh, will poison itself, will kill itself. Really? Really? Can we try that? Well, sure. You have a scorpion in your pocket. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> You'll buy a pet scorpion. Yes, I think you can see it on YouTube even. Yeah. You can see anything. <laughs> so, but that is exactly my point. Every scorpion will, will respond the same way. Because that's the way they're programmed to do. They're programmed that if you're surrounded by fire or extreme heat from all different directions, you know you're going to die anyhow, you kill yourself. Otherwise, animals will do anything to self-preservation. All they have is the instinct. All they have is the blinking. They don't have... Well, if they can't. <laughs> Zach is way ahead of us in this discussion. <laughs> He's already planning how we're going to... So, so, so. <laughs> yeah. Huh? He he he's I said he's planning how we're actually going to test this. <laughs> but the point is is that humans are the only creatures that are able to make decisions. We have instinct and we have the ability to go beyond the instinct. There's a great, there's a great analogy to 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 describe this. Um, the uh, you imagine let's say um, anybody knows here what the most popular place to commit suicide in the world is. Japan. The Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. I, what you, that's, it's one of the biggest... Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, they might have the highest, but they all fly to, they all fly to San Francisco. Now, that's the most popular place. So let's say we take, we take a field trip. All, all uh, 12 of us, whatever, whatever, and we go there, and we, we wait around, and an average of it is like one or two a day, and we go and wait, and we see the guy. And he's hanging there, and, uh, and he says, I'm doing it, and he says, come on, don't do it. We start having a conversation with him. And he's there, he's holding onto the pole. He says, if you get a step closer, I'm jumping. So we step back a little bit, and I say, okay, guys, uh, guys and girls, let's try uh, an experiment. What, what, and, uh, so we pick up a rock. Each one of us pick a rock. Well, I pick up a rock. I'll be the one sacrificial lamb to do it. We pick up a rock and we tell him, "Hey!" And as we tell, "Hey!" We throw a rock at him, right? 
He will duck. If you see a rock coming at you, you may be on the precipice. You may have the full intention to kill yourself. You may want to do the complete antithesis of self-preservation, but that does not turn off your clock of your body, your instinct, to, to self-preserve itself. Your, your instinct is programmed in one direction. Your instinct is programmed to preserve at all costs. And it has these, it has these, these, these natural reactions, these instincts that are built in. And that you can never turn off. Even though you could go and, and actively take steps against that. That's just an illustration of how humans make decisions or can make decisions. We're, we're lazy, right? You wake up in the morning, you're tired, you want to go back to sleep, you can say, no, I'm getting up, I have a job, I can do it. Your body's telling you, give me more sleep, I want to sleep last night at 3 in the morning, I have a headache. But you know, you have to get, you have to, you have to, get to work in time. You're able to go beyond your instinct. You're hungry. But you know, I should really, I'm trying to stay off gluten for a few weeks. Right? You're to do that, Right? You're able to, we're able to do that. That's a decision that's, that only... It's a uniquely human phenomenon to do that. Your body says, give me gluten. You know, and you say, no, I'm making a decision to go against that. That's the point. And, and, and these things... Um, that, th- this particular trait is um, in every aspect of our lives. We're able to make decisions in every area of our lives. Um, and and this, is, this is the... And, and we're similar to God in this way we're able to make decisions. That's, that's how we're similar to God. We're similar to, um, to angels because like angels, um, angels are... are oh, yeah. huh? Correct. That's what you said. That's the point you said earlier. We're way better. We're the best. We are similar to angels because we can have empirical, empirical um, knowledge. We can make decisions based on intellect. We, we're able to be rational. We're able to use the tremendous abilities, cognitive, intellectual abilities, um, to, to make decisions. Or, or to, we can follow our, we can potentially follow our intellect. We have that ability. It means, on one hand, the angels don't have the base desires or the instinctual um, uh, programming that we have. They don't have that. All they have is straight up intellect. And that's why they can't make decisions because they don't have that, they don't have that duality, that dichotomy of these two forces. They don't have it. But what they do have is, the, is, is intellect, pure intellect. And in that area, we have that, but coupled together with that is, is also a base uh, instinct is, uh, akin to animals. So, Jewish philosophy will teach you that man is a blend, is a hybrid, is a compilation, is a coagulation of animal and angel. We're similar to animals because we too have instincts. We we too are programmed to blink when something comes at us. We too have hunger and and have... um, physical needs, wants, and desires, just like animals. We're similar to angels because we can use intellectual, empir- empirical, cognitive uh, thought to come to decisions, governed by intellect alone. But we're, we have those two ideas mixed together. We're a blend of those two. So yes, we'll tell you that man is similar to angel 
but only in a certain way, only a certain part of man. Angels don't have any physical characteristics. They don't have any physical instincts. They're not in any way similar to, to any other creature. We have that. But we also have what angels have. Now, I want to, uh, another point, maybe a little sidetracked, but another point, of just now we know we have a definition of what a human is. But um, the, the Chinuch, which is a 13th sage, uh, 13th century sage, he writes uh, in the introduction to his work, Sefer Chinuch, he writes, he asks a question, why do we have a Torah? Why did the Almighty give us a Torah? Which is a great question. We have a Torah, we know, the read Torah, this, it's a very complicated you know, 63 books of the Talmud, and it's organized, and it's intellectual, and it makes a lot of sense. Why did God give us a Torah? So he says this exact point. He says, humans are a blend amidst a hybrid of, of beast and, and an angel. Huh? Well, that, 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 that's the basic idea. The basic idea of a Torah is instructions for living. But how come we need instructions and no one else needs instructions? How come, how come, um, besides for the instructions, it's so, it's so deep, it's so profound, I spent, you know, there's, there's pages of Talmud, as, 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 um, as Mash will tell you, there are pages of Talmud that you could spend a month on one page, one side of a page, because it's so deep. One side of a page, it's, it's that deep. Why, why does it have to be so intense, so deep, so multifaceted, um, so intellectually stimulating? Why does Talmud have to be like that? Why does the Torah have to be so deep? That's, that's really his, the, the direction, the angle of his question. So he says that our job on planet Earth is to not succumb to live like animals, to be governed by instinct alone. Rather, to have our intellectual, uh, uh, parts, uh, intellectual parts also uh, be the governing body, to, be the, to, to have our intellect govern ourselves. We know there, there have been societies where they're, they're only controlled by their instinct. And... Uh, you know, be an example, be an example again. We, you know, we know, we all know that murder is wrong. Uh, but as recently as two thousand years ago, the Romans, a very advanced society, a very advanced civilization, they glorified it. And on any given day, they'd have ten thousand uh, petty criminals. If you, you know, if you went to the store on Black Friday and you stole a pair of underwear, they'd put you in the in, in the cage or in the arena, and they'd slaughter you, rip you, rip your parts. It's, Insane, the, 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 the lack of morality uh, that existed in such a society, in my opinion, was the result of them being governed by their instinct, living like animals. We're no different than animals. That's the danger, and that's what we want to avoid. We don't want to live like animals. We want to have our intellect govern, govern, govern the decisions that we make in our lives. Says the Chinuch, that's why... We have a Torah, because the Torah is so intellectually stimulating, it's going to sharpen the pencil of our intellect to such a degree that it'll be, it'll be, it'll, it'll be, uh, we'll have a nimble mind, we'll alert, awake intellect, and it will supersede, it will be able to, how your phone's reading, it will be able to, it will be able to overcome your, your, your physicality. That's why we have a Torah. That's why it's so deep, it's so, it's so intellectually stimulating, because it's supposed to take us, the human, and make our intellect so sharp and so potent and so nimble and ready to pounce intellectually, become such intellectual madmen that we will be governed by our, our intellect, which is a sign point. But yes, man is similar to angel. We have intellect. We can be like angels. Man is similar to beast as well. The angels have to be consulted. 
The Almighty is going to create this, this incredible being that's instinct, yes, like an animal, but also with a heavy, heavy dosage of angel-like intelligence. You better consult with the angels. We are similar to the angels. We know part of our prayer, a big part of the Jewish uh, liturgy, is based upon um, the prayers of the angels. We know that Kedusha, that part of, of, of the prayer, we stand that we all put your feet together. How do you put your feet together? Because similar to the angels. How come we say uh, the morning prayers, we say the like, we pray like the Seraphim and like the Ophanim. I don't even know what these things mean, but they're different names of different angels. Because it's said that angels are only supposed to have like one leg? Or... Well, that, that, that's, that's the idea, but... Um, but I'm, I'm, what, the, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. You know what that means? They have one leg. Once again, anthropomorphism, giving a purely spiritual entity physical qualities. Um, but the idea is that we can be similar to angels, and uh, and uh, and this is really where um, this is the point A, point A of the of, of the idea that I wanted to give over, that we can we are similar to the angels. And how that, in, in the Jewish, Jewish worldview, how that relates to our responsibilities. To be more like the angels. To be more governed by our intellect. To not succumb to living a life based on instinct alone. Idea number one. Idea number two is that you'll find in numerous places in Jewish, uh, ancient, uh, classical Jewish philosophy, the idea of angels not being able to stand humans. The angels say... Why do we need humans? The angels did not understand humans. We know the angels did not want the humans to be created. The angels, as, as evident, by, uh, evident uh, by the Talmud in, in Shabbos 58b, uh, I think, the angels didn't want the Jews, the, the Jews to get the Torah. And there's a very lengthy dialogue, and I highly recommend everyone to look it up. Um, in, once again, Shabbos 88b, that, that Moses had to convince the angels to give us the Torah. They, did, they said, who are you? You're a lowly human. You have qualities like an animal. How can you have the Torah, the, the, the will of God? How can we give that to you? The angels did not appreciate the idea of humans being similar to beasts. We can be totally governed by instinct. And they, that was an idea so foreign to them. And in truth... Like Max said, we're, we can't, we're greater than them. Because an angel is an angel is an angel. Does not change. Cannot change. It's a purely uh, intellectual entity that remains stagnant and static. There's no way for it to improve or, 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 or regress. Just like an animal will always be an animal. It, 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 you, could train, you, know, you could train an animal to... to there's a story. It was a story with, I think it was the Ramban, Nachmanides. They trained an animal, a, uh, a cat, to, 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 be, to, to deliver food on a platter. And they said, oh, look how we're able to train the cat. And then they took out a mouse and the cat just dropped everything and went attacking. <laughs> and animals and animals and animal and then angels and angels and angels. Those things don't change. We have the ability to be one or the other. And that idea drives the angels crazy. And they don't see the angel in us, they see the beast in us. They see us like, like, like any other animal creature crawling this earth. So I was thinking that this, well, this we have a few ideas here. The idea number one is uh, we're like angels and how, that, how our responsibilities in life are to, are to sharpen our intellect, make sure that we're governed by intellect, make sure we're not making decisions based on... We're not like animal, driven by base instinctual desires. 
number one. Number two is the idea of the angels not understanding us. We're like a foreign alien people to them. They're like, they're disgusted by us, so to speak. And I was thinking that this is really an idea, uh, an obstacle that a lot of people have in relationships. Um, like, I think that if, I think that this, uh, this idea of angels not understanding us um, is, or can be, a tremendous obstacle. People, have, people want to have uh, long-lasting, stable, harmonious relationships. And, and there are things about the other person that they just will never be able to wrap their heads around. And they, you know, people are used to seeing... People are used to seeing the world through their own lens, and we're very, very uh, self-centric uh, entities. Uh, we're, we're selfish, that's true, but we're also the way we view everyone else is through our own lens. We don't. It's very hard for us to see the world through someone else's eyes. It's hard for us, and all our attitudes and all our convictions, and it's all based upon years and years of our own personal experience. And then you, you want to acclimate to life with someone who has a totally different attitude and totally different life. The married couple's nodding. They're like, yeah, 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 true, true. <laughs> but this is, this is a tremendous challenge because you have two people with such... First of all, in, 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 in most states, they're of different sexes. Um, uh, of color joke. Right? So they're, they're, they're just different entities. They're different people. Right? A man and a woman, they're, just, they're constructed differently. They have, you know, they, they're, they're built differently. And uh, it's undeniable, if I were to tell you, uh, of the two sexes, one of them is more intuitive uh, and more emotional. One of them is, let's say, more macho and more... Uh, which one would you say is which? Which one do you say is which? We all know that men and women are different. Um, my example I've given hundreds of times to people, everyone sitting here has heard it from me. Um, you know, you can't, it's very hard to get a man interested in Pinterest and a woman interested in fantasy football. Just very hard. Um, Zach, how many, in your, your, your fantasy football team, how many girls? Don't tell me you have one. None, right? There's none. I don't know. I've yet to meet a girl who wants, who wants. I have uh, played with some. You have played? With before, yeah, they're horrible, normal. But yeah. <laughs> I met someone recently who told me that he met this girl and he was so shocked that she was so into sports. She was like crazy into the Texans. And like that's a surprise because we're different people, you know, we're different entities. We, you know, men and women are created differently, right? Uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That was a, a nice line that took someone, that someone just was able to parlay that into like four or five or seven books. We're different, it's, it's undeniable, I think. We, you know, we're constructed, we're physically we're different, and emotionally we're different. In, you know, men and women have different ways of viewing, of uh, uh, intellect. There's, there's, there's masculine and feminine in, intellect. Um, and uh, that's just the beginning. And then you couple the fact that just, from the get-go, we're different entities, right? Men and women. And then beyond that, our backgrounds... And our uh, our attitudes to every to every one of hundreds of millions of things that come up in life are also different, and a lot of times there is needless uh, fighting, bickering, um, just misunderstanding because people don't recognize this exact idea. We don't recognize that men and women are different. We don't recognize that 
your, your partner, your spouse, your, your, the person that you're involved in a relationship with, has different attitudes about many different things in life. And this, and this, if we just, this one simple idea of just recognizing that people are different, and people who especially come from, you know, especially come from different families, and they come from different places in the world, then it's so much more so. Um, it, they have different ways of viewing things, different ways of dealing with different issues, and if we just notice this idea, it could remove so much of the challenges that we face, especially in the nascent stages of what we hope to be long-term relationships. Uh, with the idea of the men, men and women, this is, this is something I think the men will agree with me. Uh, men, men cannot understand the idea of buying flowers. It's, it's a foreign That's idea. Oh, you, you know you have to. You just don't know why. It, it's, it's, you're buying shrubs. Well, it's just shrubs that will, that have no use. Right? There's no function for them. They're, they're dead within a week for sure, or 10 days maximum. And they don't, they don't, they don't improve, they don't improve life um, in any way for anyone. That's what men think. And women say, what do you mean? They're beautiful, they, they make the house look great, and it makes me feel good. And men don't understand that. And that's why I tell men that you just go buy it, and you'll spend the money, and it's money well spent. I hope my wife is not listening. <laughs> it's money well spent because you don't understand it, but to her it's important. And even if you don't understand it, if it's important to her, if it's important to her, it's important to you. Yeah, but it's appreciation. It's, it's like, it, it, in the man's eye, he's taking money and throwing it away. Right. That's what he's doing. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate showing of appreciation. Because even though you don't understand it, you love her or appreciate her enough to be able to just do it. Okay, right. Well, I think that, that, it's I think, a simple, stupid thing to do, but it means a lot to somebody else. Yeah, I agree. Okay. trying to uh, figure out what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's something... Yeah. Okay, Max, let's hear what you have to say.
or, or flowers. Now, now I want to bring you this to the next level. Explain to me how anybody can rationalize buying a diamond ring. Ooh. No, that's the point. You see, that's the, 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 the no. The assumption, the assumption of your question. The assumption of your question is that it has to be rational. No, it doesn't have to be rational. You're saying me with my me with my manly intellect. I'm looking for rational. And if somebody's gonna have a feeling towards a rock, a little somebody's gonna have a feeling towards a rock. Right. Now, what they Expectations towards that which is just no more than a rock, and then you fail in fulfilling this, regardless of your intellectual doing this shit. <laughs> so, but remember, you, you said the word rational but it's because not rational. you're a man. A doesn't and you know what? It's I not. Have to be rock. It's a look how nice. So they can go with their own. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to you. And you know what? In my opinion, we have uh, we have a section of the Torah uh, that uh, that talks about the red heifer. Right. Red heifer, and it's an idea that's beyond human comprehension. Whatever it is, it's it an, it's yeah, but it's it's beyond human comprehension. There's no way that a human can wrap his head around it. Right. And that's to teach you that not everything you understand. And you, when you get into a long-term relationship with Hashem... I know, but the, di- but the lesson in the Torah is trying to tell you there are some things you will never understand, and that is fine. And that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if it's important to her, it should be important to you, even if it's not rational, even if it doesn't make sense. Because you know what? You could be the one who's saying, it doesn't make sense to me, and you know what? That will cause unnecessary obstacles in, in you maintaining, sustaining. Cannot, if a person doesn't have the ability to understand the implications of buying a diamond, and it's not, it's not like a, you know flowers. I need you fifty dollars flowers. You know that's okay. There's no rock for fifty bucks. You know? Okay, I'm going to explain to you exactly why it is. Okay, the value of the diamond holds the value, right? right? You keep that value with you at all times. Say tomorrow um, the husband drops dead or something happens, God forbid. So I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's not like the health it's that I want to make sure you're always well, you know. See, you see what she's saying? Max, what, she, what she's saying like this. No, what she's saying. I simply think of it as a All the one. Make, make sense to the woman, right? Showing your love and wanting to make that commitment See, Max. It's not that too. What the women are saying, they're extrapolating, they're extrapolating, or they're, they're distilling from the diamond what it means to the woman. I mean, you, you look at the diamond. You have, you, no, listen, listen, Max. No, no, Max, like this. She, what she said, what she said, what, what Jillian said was that to the woman, the rock means security. What Jessica says, to the rock means love. What you're saying, the rock is a rock. So that's the way the man sees it. A rock is a rock is a rock. And you're right, it is a rock. But they see security and they see love. I
safe and it's like it feels safe in the relationship. I would like, it's a, I don't know, I've heard that diamonds are forever. And so like a diamond is forever, just like that safety. It does forever safety, but flowers are not forever. Flowers are a flower diamond to be, but it's, a, it's not about the flowers, it's about that security. So Max, Max, so the the uh, a lot of the big time investors, a lot of the big investors. So a lot of the big investors. Remember, Max, it's it's the theory, it's not the practice. It's the theory behind it. Don't get caught up with the details. But the lesson is, is that, is that we have the way we see things, and the way we've been seeing things for 20 some odd years, 30, 50, whatever it is, and if we want to be successful in our long-term relationships, we have to try to find a way to see things a little bit differently, from a different perspective. So you... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm saying, and that would compound. That's why, in my opinion, I don't believe that it is um, that it is prudent for people of. I'm saying, there's exceptions, of course, but all things being equal, I don't think it's prudent for people of different come from different cultures to uh, settle down for a long-term relationship because that's just another thing that they'll have to go through, another obstacle, another challenge. Why? No, I'm saying I'm not. I'm saying that if you're from Argentina, you should marry some. You should marry someone from Argentina because the the amount of acclimation will be less than if you marry someone That's from what California. What my parents say about me dating and wanting to marry someone Jewish? They say it's it's better to find someone Jewish. You can share with them, you know, what's going on. That's we know yeah, that. The, that the, 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 well, the, 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 you know what it says. At the end, uh, on Shabbat, we, we sing a song for a woman, and at the end it says, Ishai Yachilat Hashem, that a woman that fears God, it means that, that like, uh, basically, a woman that, fear, that, that fears God is a woman to be praised. Right? Um, so, that's more important than... Right? I'm not saying more important, less important. I'm saying, I'm saying to the, to every single person who wants to have a long-term relationship that's stable, happy, harmonious for a long time will have to go through challenges to the, the acclimation. Everyone. 
What I'm saying is, the point I just said recently is that we don't want to compound, increase, exacerbate, augment the difficulty of the acclimation period. So what I'm, what I'm trying, what I said, the point I just said last was that if you're from New York and you want to marry someone from Australia, fine. But you'll have a higher degree of difficulty in acclimation because you're that much more different than you would be I, I, if you... I, I if you that depends on personality, but I think that uh, when going back to the point, you know, um, as far as like understanding somebody rationalizing an idea versus somebody else not rationalizing it, but having an emotional, um, uh, you know, uh, awareness or an emotional uh, arousing feeling towards uh, something physical, or material, um, now it's, an, it's valid and, and, and nobody's uh, arguing that, but the fact that somebody has uh, expectations towards something material, that, that's where it comes. That's and you know what, I, I, I would, I'm, I'm willing to venture a guess that people from your part of the world, people from Argentina are much more simple and they don't expect as much and that's, and that's part of the culture that you grew up in. Um, and therefore, this is, this, is, this is an illustration of my point, is that in America, there, maybe there's more expectations, but the man knows that there's certain built-in expectations, and that is not a point of, resi- a point of difficulty, a point of, 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 of challenge that they have to face. discussion was not about you have to buy a diamond and say no, I'm not on the point. The idea is is that recognizing that people have different expectations, different attitudes. I'm going to have some of this. Orthodox world, when, when the Orthodox world is, if I'm not mistaken, by the time somebody wants to decide that they're going to take this girl to the Hoover, right? You think ring, shato, which is a wig, then you think lichters, which is the candlesticks, two meters long, so solid silver, I don't know what, and then this and that. You're taking $10,000. I've seen people going in debt for these things. I've seen with my own eyes. People going in debt for a drink, from lichters, for shato, which is, you know, the, the candlestick, the wig. I mean, I've seen but that's called a wedding. My sister just got married in September. No, no, no. That's, no, 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 no I'm telling you. That's called craziness. You know what? I, I said this to my wife all the time. I said that my wedding was, I, would, I, I think it's extravagant, but it might have not been very, very, very extravagant, but I, I, it costed a lot of money. And to me, I would say, if just get 10 Jews and the rabbi 
get married on a Sunday afternoon. I don't need the whole party. I don't need this. I don't need the, you know, the 500 people there. I don't need the fancy hall. I don't need anything. And, and, you know, and that's maybe the way a lot of men think. What a waste of fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars! I'll take the money cash. Um, but you know what? I'm not the only player in the, in, 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 in you know you know in the in, in the in the well, arena. I, okay. So if your parents so, want, if your parents want, I just no. But my question is like, why are there like I don't understand why there's a situation. Like to me, it's like there's like a situation. Why don't just ask? Like I don't ever expect that's communication. Okay, so I want to recap. It's all. It's already nine ten, and I. I have a. Uh, I don't like going overtime, so it's nine ten. But we have only five minutes. I want to do a quick recap because we talked about a lot of different things. Um, we talked about uh, the topic of the class was what is what is an angel, and we talked a lot about angels and how they relate to humans. And uh, the two takeaway points I think are. Uh, number one, we talked about uh, how the Chinuch, in his introduction to his book, how he describes the definition of humans as humans are a blend of intellect and instinct, right? We're half beast, half angel, we're similar to angels. That's why, uh, that's why we're, we're created in the image of God, right? We're, we're like angels, the angels are pure, we're pure, we have some of the characteristics of angels. We have some some characteristics of beast as well. We're a blend. We have to make decisions. We're able to make decisions. Do we go this way? Do we go that way? Obviously, we want to live more like angels than like animals. Um, that was that's that's point number one. Point number two is we saw that there is a disdain that angels have for humans. Angels always said The Talmud that I all advise you all to look at the whole very interesting narrative that happens. When Moses has to try to pry the Torah out of the angels' hands, they said, who are you? You're a human. You're, you're like an animal. How can we give you the Torah? And we said that the, the angels do not understand how um, we have this, 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 um, uh, this blend of, of, of animalistic and, and, and angel qualities. This is an idea which is totally foreign to them. And therefore, they dislike us because we're weird, we're odd, we're strange. They don't understand us. And, uh, and the lesson, I think, that's practical for us 
uh, not necessarily, we don't, you know, the, the, I don't want to have here a, a, a lengthy uh, scholarly discussion on men, uh, relations between men and, 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 and the, uh, the supernatural. It's not the point. Uh, you can listen to Coast to Coast if you want uh, to talk, to hear about that. Um, was it like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can listen to that if you, you know, if you want to find more about that, listen to them. But, but the takeaway lesson is, is that they don't understand us. They have their way of seeing things and they're not willing to change that, that mold and therefore the relations between us are strained. And for us, this means that if we want to, to embark on long-term sustaining uh, relationships that are stable, harmonious, uh, we're going to have to deal with a, with a level of layers of, of acclimation, especially because men and women are different. But it's very important for us to recognize that we are different and we have different backgrounds. Right? It means we're different just physiologically, but that's compounded by the fact that we grew up in different families, different neighborhoods, different societies, and, you know, in different parts of the world. Those things all increase the, the degree of, or the degree of difficulty of the acclimation period. And it's important for us to recognize that some things may not make sense to us, us to be men or women. Um, it doesn't make sense to us, but to them it's important. And I recognize that I do not understand, I'm precluded from understanding some things, and that's fine. But if it's important to them, it's important to me, because they're important to me. And that's, that's an, I think it's, it's so important, and, it, and it's so important, and it's so critical for us if we want to actually have long-term, staying relationships we want to minimize the amount of obstacles and challenges that we encounter uh, you know, in, 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 throughout the course of our relationship. It's important for us to ingrain this idea into our heads. We're different. It's fine. I have to learn to see the world, not necessarily in, in the way I view it, the way I've always seen it. That's the way it is, and you know, that's it. There's no arguing. This is my way or the highway. Open our, we have to open up, open up our eyes and minds to other people. And there's different attitudes, and that's fine. And it doesn't make sense to me that, that you know, to me, flowers are totally irrational. It does not make any sense. I don't, I don't get the whole thing. But to her, it's important. To her, flowers is not a bunch of shrubs. It's, it means security. It means love. That, that it, it's impossible for men to wrap his head around that idea. I'm not buying a bunch of shrubs that are going to die in, in a week. That's not what I'm buying. I'm buying security for her. I'm buying love for her. He cares for me. He thought about me. These are things which are so um, hard for us to understand, but we have to know it, and I think they're, they'd be very, very crucial for us maintaining, sustaining, developing uh, long-term successful relationships. That's what we all want. And thank you all for coming. We'll see you all next week. Yes. Thank you, Thanks, Ryan, for coming. I always enjoy coming.